Well, welcome everyone. Happy Friday. It's lovely to see some familiar faces here today. Um, it's Friday the 21st of April, uh, which means it's time for our bi-weekly GRN Virtual Coffee Club, uh, which is of course brought to you by the Graduate Recruiters Network. So it's really lovely to see you all. Um, I'm sure plenty of you know me, but for those who don't, uh, my name's Katie. I'm a Client Partnerships Manager at the Graduate Recruitment Bureau. Um, we're the company behind the GRN events. Um, so it's lovely to meet you if I haven't met you before. Um, so today I thought it would be a really hot topic um, to start thinking about um, virtual versus face-to-face -face recruitment. Um, as we all know, uh, the world has sort of become digital in the last few years, um, mainly due to uh, COVID-19, which we don't really like to talk about, um, but it did sort of pivot us into remote working, which has had, which I'm sure some of you can agree, huge benefits. Um, it's changed the way we work. Um, it's changed opinions on working from home, etc. So really positive from that point. Um, but I know, you know, a lot of the things my clients are coming to me and say is, what are other people doing, Katie? Are they going back to face-to-face -face or are our companies staying virtual? So I think it is quite a hot topic. Um, so I think it'll be good to sort of talk about um, what are the benefits of it? You know, what are the things to think about, et cetera? Um, it could be argued, obviously, that face-to-face -face does give you a, you know, truer sense of who someone is character-wise. Um, However, you know, there's huge benefit to, uh, you know, having assessment days at home. Uh, so today I think we will talk about what are the benefits, discuss them. And the main thing, I guess, is what do Gen Z prefer? Because it's all very, much, um, very well, obviously, saying what we prefer as uh, in-house recruiters. Um, but what, what do the graduates want? What do students want? Um, so what I'm going to do is just flick to the next slide. So I've just made some brief points here. Um, GRB sent out a survey, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, to 500 students and 80% of those students said that a company's recruitment process impacts whether they apply or not, which 80%, that is a huge number. Um, and actually this morning, and I've written it in here, Top Score have just released, uh, that's a digital assessment day platform for those of you who don't know that. Um, they surveyed a thousand students and nine, uh, oh no, that's the wrong start. 70% said they actually preferred virtual. So, you know, we are looking like we are going to stay virtual, but, you know, I know quite a few companies are getting pushback from usually senior stakeholders saying we want to go back to face to face um, and not thinking about the logistics of it. Um, so what I've done is I've put a few sort of points on here um, but as I go through, you know, it'd be really good as well at the end to hear what what your companies are doing, you know, if there's any pushback, et cetera. Um, but from GRB's perspective, I'd say our larger graduate um, volume recruiters are staying virtual. Um, if they run, you know, 100 plus assessment days a year, they are tending to stay virtual um, with our sort of smaller volume clients uh, going back to face-to-face -to -face, uh, or doing a hybrid approach, which we can also talk about. Um, so a bit of a snapshot, virtual, I put, you know, in general, we do get better attendance rates. Um, we do see up to 100%. Um, you know, if someone's joining an assessment day, they can literally, hopefully they don't, but roll out of bed uh, and join an assessment day. Whereas if someone is having to travel to, um, 
you know, two hours away for an assessment day, that is going to impact attendance. Um, as I just talked about, Gen Z seem to actually prefer virtual. Uh, at the end of the day, they did spend two years at university um, working remotely. Um, so I think they are just used to it. I think we are, will see start seeing a change. Uh, but at present, it looks like they do prefer being virtual. Um, has anyone had any pushback from uh, either current hires or, you know, stakeholders about sort of bringing the assessment days back to, you know, face to face? Hi, Katie. It's um, it's Holly from EDF. Uh, hello, yes. Holly. Hello. Yes, in, in short. So we um, just for, for context, we recruit about 300 to 320 um, early careers people across across the, the way grads, apprentices, IPs, interns, all of that fun stuff. Um, we have stuck fully virtual this year, which has been um, definitely a success from our perspective. If we're thinking about logistics, planning, all of all of the stuff that, that encompasses um, assessment centres. However, the business are starting to get kind of itchy feet, wanting to go back to face to face. But I guess only for their benefit The you know, there isn't. I don't know, there isn't that much onus on actually what the candidates are wanting. So this type of discussion is is fantastic because, it, it, you, know, you know, we're entering the next cycle now. So these are the conversations that I'm going to be having with our hiring managers. Um, but we, um, I hope I can speak openly here, we have um, an organisation of, um, you know, 10 year, 25, 35, 45 years. So there is a lot of, I guess, that old school mindset. So being able to shift that and being able to kind of put the proof in the pudding is, is going to be really beneficial for us. Yeah, I think, and to be honest, Holly, that is what I hear across the board. It's always HR teams, in-house recruitment teams saying, we want to stay virtual and this is why. And it is those senior stakeholders saying, you know, we want to go back to face-to-face. Uh, -face. And like we said, there is huge benefit to face-to-face, -to -face, but also, I mean, I'll go on to it in a minute, but as you all know, probably the planning involved, the logistics, there's so much involved in it. And like you said, Holly, for whose benefit? Exactly. <laughs> if it, is it exactly. whose benefit is it for sort of thing? <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a hot topic at the moment. And um, I think talk, we actually met with TopScore yesterday and they said they've got so many, especially law firms randomly, yeah. um, well, I say randomly, I think it's because they naturally do have senior stakeholders in the business who are of an older generation who it is traditional to have face to face assessment days. Um, they all went back face to face this year and they've come back to top score to say, why did you let us do that? That was absolutely <laughs> awful. Please don't let us do that again. Um, and I think the, the senior business partners did say, oh, yeah, no, you're right there. Um, so it's definitely a conversation to have. Zoe, I don't know if you have something to add to that. Um, yeah, so we we were virtual this year for assessment centres, um, but we did actually offer students uh, the opportunity to opt for it in person if they wanted to. Um, we didn't get that many asking to do it in person, so we just decided to go with virtual. But I, I came back from holiday on Monday to be told that we believe our executive team are going to be pushing for in-person from next year or oh, for the year that's starting in September. Um, and, and interesting, exactly like the comments that you've put down here on the slide, we've sort of pushed back and we've said, you know, we, we do need to kind of keep it hybrid. 
we do need to think about the fact that you know social mobility you know candidates will not be able to afford a very expensive train fares down from Newcastle to come down to London um, we don't have the resource to pre-book their travel for them and the issue we have is that if we pre-book it they don't turn up we've then lost money and that's taxpayers money that we're using um, the other thing that we're also thinking about um, oh my god I was literally just talking about this in a meeting a little <laughs> while ago and my mind has gone completely blank um, I don't know where I was going with this <laughs> it'll, it'll come back to me later I think no, I'm, I'm, I don't I think, think I've kind of got back over in, holiday <laughs> there's something in the air at the moment because I keep getting really bad brain fog and I keep being in the middle of making a point and just being like where where was I going with this so don't worry it will come back to you <laughs> I'm like it will come back to me um so yeah it'll be really interesting to see what we're going to do um I mean the issue I have now is and I've had this for the last three years mm-hmm. I struggle to get assessors to support with my assessment centers even virtually so if we go back in person I I'll be like really you really think all of our assessors are going to come back into the office to do an assessment centre? Why, why do you think that is, Zoe? Do you think that's like manager buy-in? Because I know, I mean, Holly, we've talked about this as well, getting that manager buy-in. Zoe, where do you think that pushback's coming from with the business to not sort of commit to assessment days? I think they're just so busy. They're just so busy doing their work. And I, I don't think they quite see the connection between you keep asking me for trainees every September, but the only way you're going to get them is if you mm. actually support me with the assessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did actually have one senior manager, I think a couple of years ago, actually say to me after we brought all of our trainees in, um, yeah, you haven't given me enough trainees. Do you, do you not have like a, a pool of <laughs> contingency candidates? Like, no, I don't. No. If they passed, <laughs> we would have offered them and they would be here right now. I don't have this little Mary Poppins bag where I can pull out however many <laughs> trainees you want that are just there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I, I I think it is just, why, why do I have to do this? Is it, is it my I job? Think, Actually, yes, it is your job. Yeah, and I think as well, and this will be the same for every company that's having that pushback and, you know, we can help with this. We've been sending out a lot of surveys recently to pools of graduates, so I will send that to you all after this. It's going to the business, not just with I think this, but with these are the stats. And I think that will be the most important thing to get the buy in. Because I mean, I know what my CEO is like as well. He's very much a numbers driven. Uh, he's got a numbers driven brain. So if I go to him with a problem, he will only respond if I give him numbers. Um, I think it will be the same. Um, but we'll be able to send you some bits after this as well. So you can actually go to the business with stats. Um, Stacey, I don't know if you had something to add to that. Yeah, I'd say kind of we doing the same, a bit of hybrid, uh, probably echoing mm. a, a few things like Zoe said as well. Like sometimes we do first round um, virtually and then second round in person because we do think there's a benefit in them seeing the office. Like we've got quite a nice office, you know, we think our people come across better in person as well. But the same sort of thing, like, uh, you know, we don't have set days in the office. Um, mm. And getting people to commit to coming to the office for an interview is really hard you know you kind of put it in their diary and they like say no I'm not in the office or something and you're like but why are you not in the office like yeah you, you know you're unsure if it's a client commitment or they just can't you know don't want to come into the office that day so then you end up like mm-hmm. having half an interview in person and then still some people dialing in or you know something like that and mm. I think that's 
that's a hard one to navigate because I do think there is benefit for like that in-person interaction but like if it's not coming from the business side that that's really hard yeah no it is it's really hard and getting that commitment is also really hard and to be honest we we don't actually have too many issues with assessors attending um but i i do hear sort of you know across my different clients that they have a real issue with it and uh, yeah i can't get my head around it it's you know either commit or don't commit to it um yeah i would say the thing with with virtual as well is I think there tends to be like quite late dropouts and things like people on the day saying they can't do the interview or like that's kind of both interviewer and interviewee side or you know you're having to like run around and try to find somebody because they can't do a virtual interview and you know it's it's then I suppose it's easy for somebody to quickly pick up an interview uh, mm. because you know they, everyone's at their computer but you know it's the struggle for the recruiter to then having to be running around last minute yeah and I think that's the senior stakeholder issue as well to actually create some um, well urgency with it but also some um, you know well if, you, if, you, if you're not going to assess then you're not going to have a graduate sort of thing there's no uh, there's nothing to yeah they just they they get away with it essentially so there's no nothing no one they have to answer to really um Gabriella I don't know if you have something to add to that yeah um so I I work at Boeing um we bring in graduates interns um and also a number of apprentices um grads and interns we do everything virtually um and I agree with all the points on here and I think that's probably the reason why we continue to do it virtually with our apprentices because a large proportion of them are we're bringing in to be aircraft maintenance apprentices we sort of need to assess their their hand tool ability so we actually give them you know a, a set of tools and we say right can you take this apart type thing and and you couldn't do that virtually um and and there is benefit to doing it um and, and seeing them face to face but the point I was wanting to make was when we do the process virtually are we losing something with regards to developing that relationship and creating a sense of loyalty and excitement because is this impacting our Renee grades um you know are um young people especially the the, the top performers are they doing uh well we know they're, they're going out to a number of of uh uh employers the good ones are getting a number of offers um, and then based upon what's important to them, they'll make a decision. But there seems to be they'll accept an offer, but not necessarily commit to it or be loyal to that employer because they've never really developed that relationship because they've never been into the office. They've never met anyone face to face. So is that the downside of doing everything virtually? Just be interested in people's perspective. Yeah, I'll add something. I didn't know if anyone else was going to chip in. Um, I to I do actually agree. Um, there is definitely an element of that. And I think a what a lot of companies that I know have been doing is trying to add more benefits to if they are keeping it virtual. So, for example, um, we worked with, say, Lint a couple of years ago. They sent out a Lint sort of box of like, welcome to our assessment day. Uh, we posted oh, okay. them all out for them. And it was almost like a bit of a yeah, if a graduate was in a process for two roles that were quite similar with similar companies and one of them sent them a little welcome box for the assessment day and a £10 delivery voucher or something, they were like, oh, I like I like this company. This is a really nice thing to do. But I do see what you're saying with, um, you know, the actual process. And I think that's where it's really key with that 
candidate management um, aspect, um, I always suggest to clients with that process to always keep tabs on candidates. It's so easy, especially with volume processes. I totally get it to just have all those email comms going out saying, oh, welcome to the next stage. Well done. But actually it being less robotic, picking up the phone, two minute conversation to say, oh, hi there. You know, I'm Katie calling from Boeing. Um, and, you know, we just want to say we're really pleased that you applied to the scheme. The next stage is this. You know, how are you feeling about it? Building that value, that employer brand, them almost having a voice to that company rather than just these email comms. Yeah. Um, I think that's my experience, having that verbal yeah. communication with candidates. I think we're all very used to virtual, you know, everything is on email, isn't it? You know, you don't actually really often get a phone call for things anymore. Um, and if you do get a phone call, you're like, who is this? This this sounds suspicious. Well, they they um, don't answer their phones. Young people don't answer their phones. <laughs> they don't recognise the number, they won't answer it. Well, we call graduates think... sometimes and they're like, who is this? Where did you get my number? And we're like, we, you signed up to talking us. to me? <laughs> it's very strange. I've got, I've got kids this age and um you know they always say to me my phone's not for talking to people on I'm like oh, really um but yeah I think I think one of the things and you're absolutely right you know the next step is to have at least a conversation with people but I do worry that um you know every company's got a vibe every time you step into an office you, you get the feel of the organization you see what's up on the walls you you know some people I, I was at um one of our sites yesterday um, it was actually one of our army operations. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so cool because everyone was calling me mom and smiling at me. And this is because we're working with the <laughs> army. And I was like, really, this is so cool. I wouldn't have got that from a phone call, you know. No. Um, so I, I do worry that by not bringing them into the office and getting them to experience the vibe and culture of an organization, we can never really create that real engagement before they start and therefore we're always at risk of losing them before they start uh, and I don't think well, there's any answer apart from bringing them in and then obviously there's the time the cost etc mm -hmm. etc et what we try to do is um if we've done like the whole interview virtually is like offer what we'll call like a sell day so they get an offer and we invite them to the office like maybe somebody takes them for lunch they meet some people mm -hmm. like face to face in the team they see the offer so it, it keeps costs low because it's only people you've given an offer to, um, but they at least get to kind of get the feel and the culture of the office and meet people in person, which we also think is is quite important. Mm -hmm. Tiffany, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, so um, I work at Confluence, a software development company, and we're a remote first company. So Gabriella, I'm completely with you in terms of the <laughs> lack of loyalty. Um, so only our sales team really do go into the office and even then it's two to three days a week. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we found and we're looking at combating is a either going into the office or doing an office tour. Um, so students can log on from wherever they are. Like we have a lot of grads and especially interns across the states, but at least that way they can see, oh, wow, this is what the London office looks like. This is what the Barcelona office looks like and at least get a vibe of what it's actually like to work there without having to go in and then you don't have the cost so that's one thing we looked at but I'm completely with you like we've seen a couple of reneges now and people aren't joining the internship till May June so it's a tough one but interested to hearing anyone else's kind of like great ideas that have worked. I think just from my experience working across various clients it's how you build the brand even 
on a virtual assessment day. So like I said, you know, sending out welcome packs, but also when you're all your line managers are on the call at the candidate welcome, they they all actually speaking, you know, not just not coming to say the candidate welcome and sort of hiding behind the scenes, all being present. They've got their, say, lanyards on, you know, this is who I work for. I think you can still get a vibe, uh, you know, an office or company vibe uh, virtually. Uh, it does just take a little bit more effort and, uh, you know, getting that buy-in again from the line managers to say, you know, this is our chance to actually sell to these graduates to say why we are really great. Um, but, you know, it yeah, it is tricky. And I think as well, um, like you said, Gabriella, face-to-face, especially if you've got a really nice office, you know, it's a, it is a big selling point. If you've got a big glass office in the city, that might be a real selling point for graduates. Um, but yeah, I think it is tricky. Um, but I guess looking at this as well, you know, DNI is a really hot topic and focus for companies these days. Um, I mean, even five years ago when I started working at GRB, you know, when when I spoke to clients, I said, you know, what are your key goals for this year? What do you want? DNI was normally on the agenda, but it was never like DNI is our top, top priority this year. Um, social mobility, you know, we've talked about cost of living crisis, that does impact candidates' uh, willingness to travel. Um, also, if they're expected to wear a suit, they might not own a suit and they might not be able to afford a suit all these different things I think to think about um also with a lot of platforms now coming with accessibility toolbars um you know for candidates neurodivergent etc um a lot of these virtual platforms actually allow um more of an all-inclusive process for everyone whereas someone might already be at an instant disadvantage uh if they're at a face-to-face -face assessment day um I don't know if anyone wants to talk about any of their experience with uh, sort of DNI impacts with virtual or face to face. If anyone's you know experienced anything at all, it's one of the things we're looking at at the moment, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think it's a challenge. I think when it can't just be an early talent thing; it has to be a wider lateral recruitment. And one of our lateral recruitment leaders said to me the other day, "But I just want a cheat sheet. Like, what's the good things to do?" And I'm like. There, there is no cheat sheet like I can suggest it <laughs> and then mm -hmm. he was like yeah and we don't want to spend money and I'm like yeah that doesn't work out like it has to you have to put all in um mm, it's so investment things such as like gender decoders job descriptions and really highlighting and talking about it I think that's one thing as a company we don't do enough of is the marketing element and um, we're great about talking about our product but actually in-house and shouting about oh look at the diversity like look how diverse our exec team is look how diverse mm -hmm. we've got from our interns coming from different backgrounds it is a key thing that we're working on this year yeah I yeah I have a, a question um how many I mean do you think candidates and students feel feel comfortable declaring any of their additional you know if they if they required additional support because I mean I haven't been at Boeing that long but I do know that since I started and uh, with the new intake quite a few of them have subsequently come to me and you know disclosed that they have additional needs etc cetera, etc cetera. but these were not disclosed as part of the recruitment process and and in the past I have sort of 
you know, said, oh, what did, you know, did, were you made us aware of this during the process? And they're like, no, 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 because we, we, we don't think it would help us or we think it would go against us. And I don't know whether people actually are still feeling comfortable declaring beforehand, but certainly when they join, I'm then getting requests for, you know, tools to support with dyslexia or whatever. But actually during the process, they didn't, conf they didn't uh, disclose it to us. I found the opposite. Oh. I've 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 never seen this many candidates declare that they've got a adjustment of some sort or they're neurodivergent in one way or another. I mean, when I first started at GRB and I was managing candidates, I mean, you'd get one every blue moon say, oh, just to let you know, you know, I'm dyslexic, so I need extra time. Um, I ran an assessment day the other day. There was 10 candidates on one day and we had a few of them on one day. There was four out of 10 of them that declared that they had um they required an adjustment um so i think candidates i think with the age you know TikTok, getting people talking about things etc i think candidates feel a lot more comfortable now than they did five years ago declaring that they require an adjustment that's just from my experience i don't know uh, if, if that's the same sort of across the board that's what i would agree with gabriella seen, like yeah, I yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't, we don't get a lot of people, so I think I tend to agree with Gabriella that, and maybe like, I think I've had somebody in the second round that then tell me like, oh, by the way, did I, did I mention this? And I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you, you know, I think it's like once they know they have an interview, once they're in, they might say mm. something, but, you know, I think I had maybe two people, our whole campus recruiting round say that they needed extra time on, on the interview. Maybe that's as well to do with, because uh, we find this quite a lot as well with, say, asking what other processes a, a candidate is in. They feel more comfortable disclosing it to uh, a recruitment company who's managing their process rather than the actual company, if that makes sense. I don't know if I think because yeah. we build the relationship with them, maybe they say, oh, just so that you know, I've got an adjustment. Uh, maybe it's if how comfortable they are. I don't know. We, yeah. um, we had something too, uh, not too dissimilar to, to what Stacey's mentioned. So we've used the um, Recite Me tool with, with TopScore this year. I don't know if anybody um, is aware, but essentially it's just a piece of software that, that supports um, candidates that are potentially neurodivergent or, or need some extra support. And we so we've had probably somewhere in the middle of, of both of those two, um, two comments that we've had a few people come to us and tell us that um, they need extra support we've got some we've got quite open messaging on our website to say that we are a disability confident um employer so we will support um people that that need that extra support and then equally when we talk about the recite me tool in the you know in the candidate briefing that it is available you know we can't see we do have people come out and say you know we we didn't we didn't tell you that we we needed extra support but actually after seeing that we feel comfortable to be That's able to good. to share that yeah I think that's positive. It's it's like you said, getting that message out to say this will not impact your application in any way. Um, I think I think to be honest, it will just hopefully people just get more and more comfortable with saying something. And um, like Holly said, we well, we partner with EDF with the Top Score platform. Um, that recite me toolbar gives a very inclusive process to everyone involved because not only does it um allow you to sort of adapt the platform to your need it's even if English isn't your first language you can actually translate the whole platform into a different language um 
if you're dyslexic and you prefer to see the screen in a different color so you know if you if it looks better to you in like you know a yellowy sort of color you can actually change all the colors on the platform um so that has a really positive impact on it i think and um, I think the more and more comfortable people get with uh, declaring that they have an adjustment, the better. And to be honest, as many platforms that can just say, you know, we don't need you to even tell us you've got an adjustment. But if you do have one, you can actually tailor it to your experience. So having that, it means that no one even has to be comfortable to declare it. It just means they can, you know, make the changes they need to it. So it's a really good benefit, actually, that. And if anyone wants the info on that, I can send some across. Um, but most of our clients use that. It's a really, really good platform. Um, I will go on to the next slide in a moment, but a few other sort of points. Um, candidate travel expenses. Um, I think one thing that happens quite a lot is we show a client the platform. They say, we absolutely love this. Um, you know, we've got 300 candidates we need to put through this process. I tell them how much it is and they think, oh, that's so much money. Um, and then I'll say, but how much do you pay as a company for your travel expenses? Most companies pay up to £100, if not more now, that everything is more expensive. Um, if you have 300 candidates and each candidate has £100 expense uh, limit, and um, I think it was you, Zoe, who said if someone doesn't actually turn up and, you know, you've paid for it, for example, this is a huge financial drain on a company. Um, so although you might look at a platform cost to think, oh, my goodness, it's £15,000 or something like that. If you actually do the maths and add up how much it's going to cost uh, to pay all these candidate expenses and host a lunch, host drinks, there's it's all these added extras that you don't think about when it's upfront because you know you're paying hundred here, hundred there, and it, you know you don't really add it up on your head in your head. Um, but the most recent assessment day I went to, which was lovely, it was in the middle of a forest because it was for an environmental client, so it was lovely. Um, but they paid a hundred pound expenses for each candidate, and they also hosted a lunch. Uh, we had to get dietary requirements from all of the candidates because, of course, um, you know, th there's a lot more people as well with dietary requirements. Um, it was a huge project to organise as well. Um, I mean, I'll move on to the next slide in a moment, but just I think as well, thinking about your team, Holly, especially Holly's recruitment team are pretty much all based around the UK. So to get one team in one place over say 20 assessment days logistically would be just a nightmare i think and yeah, i think so that's not not just us but the the whole of the um the assessor population as well we've got um offices here there and everywhere so it, it, it becomes wildly expensive and an absolute logistical nightmare yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I worked out when I first started um, at my company, just as we went into lockdown and I had to look at virtual assessment centres. I sort of went out to the team and said, right, how much do we pay expenses? How many candidates do we have at each assessment? What do we pay for lunches? It was about £2,000 an assessment centre. And then when the business saw the savings by doing it virtually, they were like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Is that <laughs> is that really how much we pay per assessment? I said, yes, it is. Yep. I mean, my, the job I was at before, 
expenses per assessment centre was way more because we did them internationally. So I would go off to, I don't know, like Hong Kong for a week to run assessment centres all week. And we were flying candidates in from all over Asia, paying for their hotels. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even want to know how much it costs mm. for one assessment centre. Um, so, yeah, the whole virtual thing, absolutely huge saving and uh, yeah, uh, I think that's the thing we need to sort of push back with the businesses, just say, look, this is what you will be paying for people to come in and you are going to be getting your assessors to actually come into the office on days that perhaps are not there. It's not my office day. Well, be flexible this week. You know, mm-hmm. you don't normally come in on a Wednesday. Maybe you do this week and work at home <laughs> on Tuesday instead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um I think as well, it's needless to say, you know, GDPR um, is a huge part of an assessment day. You know, if you've got all candidate CVs, uh, et cetera, if you're on a face to face day, uh, you need to ensure they're disposed of correctly, shredded, et cetera. Um, I think also the environmental impacts of having tons of paper. You know, I remember running assessment days pre-COVID and turning up with like a ring binder in one arm um just paper everywhere and then you know something changes last minute god forbid something changes last minute and you're having to reprint everything I think I remember lying on the floor nearly crying at assessment day by a printer once because it was just it just gets out of hand with all the paper but virtual I mean one good thing is that everything is centralized in one place you've got all your CVs all the materials all the scoring uh, which allows for automation and efficiency, which it, it, it is the way the world is going. This automation. I mean, don't get me started on AI. Terrifies me. Maybe that's a, that's a conversation for next time about AI and in recruitment. Uh, we'll leave that one for now. Um, but also just to add on this slide, uh, global aspect, um, you know, you can use a virtual platform uh, for assessment days uh, globally. Um, so when we were talking to Top Score yesterday, they said they've got clients, um, FMCGs, who use it across the globe. And I think that's really useful. But I did actually make some points about why face to face is good. Um, so, you know, we've, we've briefly talked about some of these um, and obviously I'll send these all across to you. But yeah, better candidate engagement. I must say, you know, when I went to that um, assessment day in the forest, like I just mentioned, um, the candidates absolutely loved it. But I mean, partly because it was beautiful. You know, the surroundings was amazing and all the candidate feedback was so positive and they didn't mind travelling. Um so that was the candidates feedback no one made any comment about oh it was really annoying having to you know travel to an assessment day um all of them were quite happy to um i've just seen you written in the chat zoe i'm just going to read that i assessed a few weeks back one of the candidates traveling but was still able to post it they didn't have to wait for me yeah yeah exactly um candidates don't seem to mind i think when they're sent a survey and they're told that they need to make a decision on if they prefer virtual or face to face, they pick virtual. But actually, if it was a job that was their dream job and it was face to face and their expenses were covered, they go and they have a great time and they don't moan about the fact it's not virtual. So I think there's a lot to be said for that, especially if you've got a nice office. Gabriella? 
But I think we also have to appreciate the time commitment if they are doing it in person. You know, a virtual, mm -hmm. they can do it in half a day and therefore are quite happy potentially to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, attend three or four. Um, if they're doing it in person, they're going to have to be a bit more selective because it could be one or two days out of out of lectures, couldn't it? Um, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, face to face, if if you've got the budget to wine and dine them and schmooze them and you've got something impressive to do, absolutely. But if it's going to be a bog standard assessments day, that I just don't see that it benefits anyone particularly. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, Tinica, um, I don't suppose you've got any insight. So to give everyone a bit of background, so Tinica works on my team uh, and she is very much involved in the day to day, talking to candidates, talking to clients. Um, so what, what sort of things are cl uh, candidates sort of saying to you, Tinica, about virtual sort of assessments, etc.? I think one of the biggest things I found, which one, I wasn't expecting, I've got an assessment centre that's in person that's coming up next week. And I'm speaking to all these candidates and when I ask them how they're feeling about the day, they're not nervous about the day, they're nervous about the travel. They're really, really stressed about it. Um, <laughs> so, and it's it's quite bad because you think you should be spending this time, you know, preparing for the day, yeah. doing all this research, but instead their mind is just completely consumed with what if my train gets cancelled? What if, um, you know, I can't find the right platform? Anything like that. Bless. Um, they are really stressed, which it does make me feel a bit um, sorry for them um, because, you know, obviously they must, so they must be really nervous. But I think at the same time, it does get that buy in, though. If, um, like we've all been saying, if you've got a site that you want to show them around, it really does help. It make we have candidates sometimes say that if it's all virtual, even after the office stage, Sometimes it can't even feel real, almost. They think it's all been done online. They don't really have any proof because they've still not met people in person. They've still not seen the site. It doesn't feel real until they start in September, yeah. which could be six months away. Um, so I think a face-to-face -face element is really important as part of the process, even if that's after offer stage. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a lot easier to get candidates um, attend on the day for virtual and feel more comfortable with it as well. I think um, I've actually got, so my son has actually been going through the process of getting internships this year and I think another challenge we're facing which is not on there but you've mentioned it um, is the fact that he was actually due to attend an in-person assessment centre um, and it clashed with the train strike so last minute they had to change it to virtual and I can imagine that the organisers of that assessment centre would have been a bit like why did we bother why didn't we just mm. keep it virtual in the first place? <laughs> Yeah, I think we I can't imagine that, that panic in the morning as well. <laughs> uh, luck luckily there was a couple of days notice. They they took the call a few days in advance, but even so, you know, they'd have, they'd have put all the planning in place. And then because of the train strikes, like um and obviously my son was also panicking because he knew there was a train strike and before it got cancelled, he was a bit like, How am I gonna get there? So yeah, mm. there, there's so many other external factors as well now that in uh, impact. Yeah. No, yeah, that is actually very, very true. I completely um, forgot about all the strikes and everything. So that definitely would have an impact on it. Hopefully that won't be going on for too much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Oh, oh, never know. Um, 
but yeah like we said as well lots of planning involved um especially the logistics of getting everyone into one place at one time booking the rooms um i don't know about uh, everyone else's but my office it is ba- it's nearly impossible to book a meeting room at the moment um so unless you get in there very far in advance um you might have some issues um and i think that's another thing that's frustrating as say in-house recruiters is that you can say you know i need to book out 10 rooms on this day etc cetera, etc cetera. this is all the logistics that's going to go into it and senior stakeholders not probably and it's not their fault you know thinking actually there is quite a lot of planning that goes into this uh, i mean there's plan a lot of planning that goes into virtual assessment days but not not what goes into a face-to-face assessment day um especially if you're hosting it not to mention how exhausting it is um yeah. i i remember doing face-to-face assessment days back to back to back uh three years ago and um it is just exhausting isn't it <laughs> yeah and you know what i think we're not we're not really set up for them because i know my pre i'm talking about my previous organization here um we we had lots of offices and even with lots of various offices we struggled to get rooms mm-hmm. and then over covid because of the complete change in approach and lots of people working from home we actually got rid of some of our offices so the offices now that they're even more in it's even harder now to book rooms there's only really one option whereas before mm-hmm. there used to be three options so companies are not really set up now to bring big groups of people into the you know into an office anymore we just don't have the facilities yeah i completely agree i remember when i first started in early talent recruitment you you always used to go in in that awkward week between christmas and january and new years and you'd book out all the rooms for the assessment centers you'd book out all the rooms for like internship in like absolute months in advance you'd book your like internship onboarding you didn't even know which interns you had in like december to january ready for like june july time because that was the only time you knew would be free you could access it mm-hmm. and then you'd still let reception know okay i'm I'm holding all these rooms or i've got all these rooms booked and you still have a time where oh it's a client you, you've got to move it especially when you're working in like law firms mm-hmm. or real estate where these things happen on the absolute regular yeah yeah and i think um another another issue that's come up as well we're working with a client we've worked with for four years now um they have a massive office in london i think for thousands of people uh, and they're now downsizing because obviously everyone you know our ways of working are completely different so they're actually downsizing to an office that's only got capacity i think for like 500 people or something like that um and they were toying with the idea of doing face to face and i said to them have you thought about how you're going to get 50 candidates uh, into an assessment day in your new office? Because didn't you say you've actually not got many meeting rooms? It's all what they called like pods and stuff like that. Very modern. Um, And they said, oh, my goodness, I didn't even think of that. We've downsized and we can't actually fit these these candidates into the office. So I think that's another thing to think about um, if offices are downsizing or you know, things have just changed, but, you know, offices knocking through a lot of the time, meeting rooms, open door policies, etc. I think it's just totally changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, last few things. So um, 
oh tiffany says they've downsized yeah exactly i think everyone's downsized you know what's the point in having a massive commercial building that's got like 10 people in it on a monday it's just completely pointless um like we said you do get a better idea for candidates personalities but one thing i will add which has become quite clear is it actually does depend on the role um i'm sure you can agree with this tiffany i know you mentioned sales and law firms etc you know a, a sales assessment day yeah do it face to face you can get a really good idea about who's a real people person but then if you've got an assessment day for engineers I don't think there's any need to get them into a face to face assessment day. It totally depends on the company, the role. Um, so it might be think worth thinking about for all of you. You know, I don't know what roles you actually run, but if there is a role that requires obviously key client contact, it's a sales role, etc. Think about a, a hybrid or a face to face assessment day. But if the role is very much hard skills based, um, Personally, I don't think there's any need to bring them into an office if they don't need to obviously engage with people. Um, I don't know if anyone else uh, has any sort of thoughts on that. That was exactly my conversation. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> um, so at the moment, I've got a few engineering roles. And in comparison to the sales guys who I'm currently trying to push, like, let's get them in. Let's see how they react. Let's give them some like assessments. Um, we'll take them through Barcelona, uh, like, mm -hmm. let, let's get them out there. And on the flip side, I've got the engineers be like, oh, I heard you're doing this with sales. Can we do it? I'm like, no, you, you're no. not doing it. We <laughs> have a There's no point in doing it. And that, in fact, majority of our engineering managers up until recently were all in the States. I'm like, we're not spending $3,000 for you guys just to come over for an assessment center. Like, Mm -hmm. And we just don't have the rooms where they would come into because, as I said, mm -hmm. we've downsized, we're losing a floor and we now use FlexDesk. So it means that wherever you are in the world, wherever you are, like in the country, you're going to a WeWork or any one of those co-working spaces, you can go there and you don't even need to go into the mm -hmm. office. You can literally walk 10, 15, 20 minutes down the road or for a quick drive. So for us, it's one of those things that you'll have. And I find this really interesting that some hiring managers will be, yes, let, let's get people in. I want to meet them. I mm -hmm. want to see them. And on the flip side, you'll have others who are like, do I have to go in? And I'm like, would you go in for a client? Yes. Okay, then then let, let's do this because you don't want to meet someone for the first time and be like, oh, wow, they don't interact the way I thought they did. They're completely mm -hmm. different online. And I'm like, you missed out on that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we do have uh, clients who run sales schemes and it is really beneficial doing it face to face um, or indeed a hybrid approach. Um, I don't know who mentioned it earlier. Uh, I think it was you, Stacey, who said that you actually have um, you go out for lunch with them after uh, making an offer or something. I think that's quite a nice touch uh, and to get a bit of an idea of personality as well. Yeah, then they can meet so you meet them a little bit more and they meet the like people they'll mm. be working with, which I think is nice. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, and, you know, we've talked about social mobility. Uh, candidates might not be able to pay upfront for travel, etc. Um, and of course, if you run a digital day, um, so we actually run tops. So top score tech platform, we run days with the platform, but face to face. So it just means that you're doing it face to face, but you can have access to the tech and make sure your scores are all in one place. But then another thing to think about is laptops, you know, 
would you get candidates to bring their own laptops? I know certain companies, especially uh, we work with a few engineering and tech companies, have really, really tough security in the building, uh, IT security. So lots of things to think about. Um, finally, I was just going to say before I let you all go and enjoy your Fridays, um, we're thinking of doing this next session in June just because there is tons of bank holidays in May. Uh, I'll let you know if that changes, uh, but I don't know if anyone, I mean, I've had some suggestions about doing a session on, I don't know if anyone's heard of chat GPT, uh, if anyone would want a session on that, or if anyone yeah. has any suggestions, please, please let me know on the, on today's session, if, if, if you want to let me know. Oh, no, chat GPT would be really good. Um, I flagged it up to my director a few months ago. He hadn't heard of it. And uh, I won't really be under a rock. Said. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, really, John? What? Um, but I showed him an example that I had used of I put mm -hmm. one of our competency questions into the mm -hmm. chat, asked it to generate me an answer. Um, absolutely kick ass answer. Showed him, I won't repeat what he said. Um, he was like, Probably oh. gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were a few choice words that came out of his mouth. And I said, yeah. <laughs> it's just, just to be aware of, we do need to think about it. So, yeah, that'd be really helpful. I think yeah that'd be a good one can yeah. I can I also ask do we cover apprenticeships here or is it mainly just graduates and we can cover apprentices yeah absolutely the, the one thing I'm trying to get more information on is they've announced that apprenticeships will be um will go through uh UCAS so you know as a way people apply for university places goes oh. through UCAS and there's that central place where everyone just applies and then gets their offers on the same day UCAS are doing that for apprentices as from 2024 and I don't know much about it <laughs> so I don't know if any of you guys know anything no I hadn't heard that we do apprentices that's interesting I was at, um, I was at a, a, an event by the 5% Club. I don't know if you're familiar with the 5% Club, um, but it was sponsored by UCAS and that's where they sort of made this announcement. Um, so it could really shake up the way apprentices are recruited for. Um, but also I can, I, I, I can envisage that there's a lot of work to do because then surely employers are going to have to pull together and agree on dates and processes and what information is required and how, you know, the, all that sort of thing. I can imagine it's going to be a minefield. So I'm really intrigued to know how it's going to work because um, as from, you know, 2024 is not that far away, really, is it? In the whole scheme of recruitment. That's interesting. What I will do as well, because my director, her mum randomly works in apprentice uh, recruitment, quite hard in it. So I will try and get as much information as possible um, and either give it to you or we can even have a session on it because that sounds like it's going to be really hot topic. Um, so we can either get a session in about that sort of after the next one. But we'll do one on chat GPT. Um, yeah. I think that'll be a really good one. Um, but yeah, finally, obviously, thank you all so much for coming. It's so nice to have just discussion with like-minded people. Um, obviously, keep in touch with each other. Also, if there's anything you need from me, any questions, just give me a shout. Um, I will send around these slides just so you can go to your bosses and say, here you go. Um, I will also send you our, um, we sent out a survey to our candidates to say what do you really want from employers I will send you through that as well um, but yeah keep an eye on the LinkedIn group and the WhatsApp chat um, but yeah it was lovely to see you all and have a lovely weekend. Fab. Thanks Casey. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Casey. Thanks, Bye. Everyone. Bye. Bye everyone.